Sparkin' Conversations, a podcast for electricians, hosted by an electrician. The Electrical Association is committed to keeping electricians in the know about the latest developments in the industry. Experts will be on to help answer the tough questions, talk shop, and give tips to help make your jobs work. Welcome back to another podcast production of Sparkin' Conversations from the Electrical Association. I'm Mike Miller, your host. I'd like to thank you for stopping by today. Today, we have a guest that comes with some very notable credentials in the electrical industry, especially when it comes to the National Electrical Code. That guest is none other than Mr. Dean Hunter. Dean comes to us from the Minnesota Department of Labor and Industry, where he serves as the Chief Electrical Inspector. He is a licensed master electrician who has been active in the electrical industry for over 35 years before working in the Construction Codes and Licensing Division of the Department of Labor and Industry. Dean was an electrical contractor, project manager, and instructor for the Construction Electrician Program at Minnesota State Technical College in Wadena. He is the Education Chairman of the Minnesota Chapter of the International Association of Electrical Inspectors and has served as an International Association of Electrical Inspectors representative on Codemaking Panel 7, and formerly that was known as Codemaking Panel 19, during the last four National Electrical Code cycles. Dean also participates as a technical committee member on the NFPA Publication Number 225, 501, and 501A, and recently was appointed to the National Electrical Code Correlating Committee. Wow, Dean, these are some pretty significant involvements. Welcome to our podcast. Uh, thanks for having me, Mike. I really appreciate you guys. Uh, kind enough to have me here at the uh, facility here and, and uh, nice, nice setup. So I'm looking forward to the discussion. Super. Well, Dean, moving into it, uh, you know that 2023 code is is close. The, the Standards Council has met. The appeals have been heard on the certifying amending motions. So when might we see the 2023 code books on the shelves? That's a great question, Mike. I tell you what, it, it just so happens today is the 1st of September. And honestly, uh, talking with Jeff Sargent at the NFPA, they're going to be live today uh, on link. So we will be, in fact, enjoying the, you know, the online version. The publications will actually be out about mid-October. Wow, that's exciting. I'm a, I'm a Link user, and I know some of our membership also uses it. They'll be very clear or happy to hear this. So the, the next thing you just want to talk about, and I know you're, you're very familiar with uh, temporary in-room amendments, the, the one that we spoke focus on right now just came out, if I'm not mistaken, recently, and that was 23-3, and that deals with Article 2108A, exception number two, relative to ground fault circuit interruption for protecting air conditioning units outside. Dean, this is big, so tell me the whole story. Well, I tell you what, this goes way back. Uh, obviously, after the adoption of the 2020 code in, in our state, and that would be uh, November 17th of 2020, uh, we were actually, you know, since the adoption date had been dealing with some of these issues associated with the uh, HVAC units and the ground fault protection uh, that was required. And is what we ended up doing, and, and early on we noted that there were some contractors out there that were having problems with what we would call unwanted tripping. And at the time, there wasn't really a really good solution uh, for our contractors to be able to, you know, go back, make repairs and, and have these uh, HVAC units stay online. So as a, a way to, to get around it, you know, initially until we could find out a solution, we created a document at the department that was implemented, I believe, across many of the municipalities 
municipalities and other states for that matter. And we collected data on HVAC equipment to find out exactly the ones that we were having issues with. And predominantly, initially, it was all of the power conversion equipment that we were uh, witnessing out in the field. It was a lot of the mini split units and and the, the heat pumps and such, which had power conversion. So the first TIA that was submitted uh, by our department uh, was actually sent in mid-August, I want to say, of uh, 2021. And the Standards Council did act favorably in that, uh, I believe it was around September of 2021. And we ended up exempting then the power conversion units. Then after all of that, <laughs> the process continued. And once the, you know, the new publication of the NEC was, was being looked at for the 2023, the HVAC issue had come up again, and there was a you know a debate right away that that there was in fact uh, some tripping that was happening on the single stage units and the two stage units that were in the field, and and at the time uh, we had not collected any documentation on that, and and the standards council appointed a task group, and as a result of that task group, there was uh, you know votes that were taken where we created a CAM or what we call the certified amended motion that in fact went before the the whole NFPA conference committee. And at that time, I had submitted a TIA as well, just to basically reiterate the fact that I hadn't collected any data in the field. So after all that being said, we did in fact, when I returned back from Boston in, in August, we started to hear quite a few complaints from the contractors that we were having issues in the field, started documenting some of that information, and uh, just recently here, it was on August 9th, I believe, that the Standards Council did in fact meet and upheld the appeal that was uh, put forward uh, with the task group. And uh, they did in fact take the HVAC units out of the National Electrical Code. Now, uh, Mike, just to clarify here, 23-3 is actually for the 2023 NEC, but there is a TIA out there right now that is effective today. It's uh, 20-17. That is uh, for the 2020 NEC. So, if you know if we don't adopt initially right away in the state, this is something that we are enforcing as of today. So, I am sharing your information with our contractors. We want to recognize then that the TIA that 23-3 currently only is good until January 1st of 26. That's what it says on it, right? Well, actually, when you when you take a look at the the language, the language in in excuse me, it's it's twenty dash nineteen. I apologize, I thought it was twenty seventeen. It's twenty nineteen, and the twenty nineteen that's out there is for the twenty twenty NEC, and that exempts all HVAC equipment as well. You know, from the code, they did add a, a second exception, basically that does that. The twenty three three was because of the way the NEC you know, adoption process, I, sh I shouldn't say publication, was going to go out. They wanted to make sure that the new publication had the new wording in it. So that's why they created the TIA 23-3, so that the new publication will have 
the, the current text, which is going to exempt the HVAC units. And that makes perfect sense. It can, you know, with all the dates that we, we intermingle into the process that, whoa, where are we? But I, that certainly makes sense, Dean. That really does. Well, you know, I, I'm really glad they did that, I think. And it recognizes something's got to be done by the industry to improve the operational features of air conditioning. But at the same time, we certainly don't want to receive shocks from them, bottom line. Yeah, exactly. And, and you know, the, it was really frustrating initially because obviously the calls that we were receiving at the office you know, when, when the contractors out in the field don't have a solution and then they have homeowners calling them that, you know, are complaining about the fact that, you know, these units are not working, it, it just becomes problematic real fast. So, so this was a good way to move. Super. Well, Dean, let's move on to something a little more interesting, possibly. Recognizing that the tremendous involvement of the NFPA and, and serving on numerous uh, elements that you have, uh, can you give us some some real spot visions of what's going on in the code, the 2023? Well, I'll tell you what, from, you know, when you look at the 2023, I think is what people are going to notice probably the most out of the document is is a lot of the changes that I think were kind of put forth with the correlating committee. You know, it a lot of it is going to be structure. I think, you know, we're all used to using the NEC, you know, with the definitions being on the front side of the book, obviously. And then when, in fact, those definitions didn't apply generally, we always looked them up in the dot two section of that particular article. That's all changing now, obviously. And I think uh, the last count I heard, it's right around 800 anyway, definitions now that are going to be back in the beginning of the book. So that's going to be a big change for all of us to adapt um, because we've just, we're also used to, uh, you know, looking at the dot two section. The other big thing that's going to happen that I, you know, moving forward, I believe is uh, the introduction of medium voltage. Medium voltage has always been a part of the NEC. In fact, if you go back to prior to 1999, there wasn't a, a separate code article for that. And, and I think you know, the issue back then and also the issue today is is people just not knowing where to find information in the book and maybe some inconsistencies that exist maybe between, you know, the NESC and the NEC. So there's been a, a real effort now to get a lot of those new code sections introduced into the code so that we can start analyzing those um, and they can go to a technical committee that'll just be exclusive for the medium voltage. And right now they're they're currently looking at panel nine as being that catch-all for the the uh, medium voltage group. Dean, uh, one of my, in just kind of putting together our code classes that are coming up, one of the my interests and one of the things you alluded to in our New Ulm visit was the class four wiring. Uh, I have been telling anyone that'll listen that will eventually revolutionize wiring as we know it. Can you share with our listeners today anything uh, more about the class four circuit? You know, I, this is another thing, you know, that obviously we should have talked about the, the whole changeover in the 2023 or some of the big changes we're going to see because the introduction of class four, which they call it like a packet energy type wiring method is, is really interesting. Um, you know, up, up until a few years ago, I think everybody thought that POE was going to be the power over ethernet was going to revolutionize. Uh, wiring and, and honestly, and it has, there's, there's a lot of POE systems out there, but, but 
the the packet energy technology that they're talking about now with class four and the, the higher level of power that you know these systems are going to be able to handle is going to be tremendous and so when we think of you know a poe system typically i think the standards are right around roughly uh, 200 watts and limited typically to that 360 feet or whatever that limitation is it's in the mid 300s this system you can go the footage doesn't matter because obviously it's it's sending that that packet energy if you will over the the system it's a fault managed system so it's safe and uh, so if there's any issues at all, um, you know, the, the system, the exposure to any sort of shock potential or hazard is, is minimized. And the fact that you can go to 2000 watts, you know, when we think about our LED lighting nowadays, you can have a lot of LED lights on a 2000 watt circuit. So it's going to be pretty tremendous. I think it's going to revolutionize the lighting systems for sure. Well, you know, I, I cannot wait. And uh, one of my concerns with it is, of course, the code has done a tremendous job, the 23, in introducing it. Uh, if you've studied it, the receiver, the transmitter, the, the, the media, I, I am just really impressed with it. But my concern is this, and maybe you have a handle that you could share with our listeners as well on it, and that's material availability. Is that going to be something that's going to be 10 years from now? The way it makes it, the way availability of material is, it's not rosy yeah. on anything. But such a technology as this, is this something that's kind of just maybe on the drawing boards yet or is there massive production going on on it? Well, from what I'm understanding about the class four systems is they've been using this technology quite a bit in the cell industry or in the, the telephone industry. And and again, it, it is new in the NEC. And I think, you know, as it becomes more apparent that this is, you know, the direction of the code that it is deemed as being safe, I think we'll see a many more manufacturers. I know right now, I'm trying to remember the, the manufacturer's name, but I believe it's Voltster. You know, they are the ones pretty much that have the patent on the packet energy systems. And, and so I think eventually, like I said, as we see more people get involved, but to, you know, frankly, you're right, Mike. I mean, I, we're, we're going to be dealing with the supply chain issue, it seems like, for a long time. And this, like anything else, when something gets introduced in the code, it, until you see products and things that are available on the market, I think that'll drive, you know, availability too as we look forward to that. So I think one of the most exciting things, and I don't want to dwell too much on class four, but I think one of the most exciting things that I've seen is the concept of safety where we are uh, you kind of wonder in, in ten years will we even have a seventy E because of the potential other than on the transmitter end, of course, but uh the potential for shock hazards is null almost and that just is exciting. I mean I, I would encourage all of our listeners, as, as Dean probably hasn't just yet, but wants to become as knowledgeable on it as you can, because it's certainly a wiring standard. I think that's going to be around for a long time or forever. It's going to revolutionize what we know. Well, we better move on, Dean, as much as this excites me. The next thing I just want to talk about is, is something interesting about a question that people have asked me in the past, and of course, I have no way of really answering, and that's, I remember back in 2016, there was a motion afloat and a, from public uh, comment that asked that all homes have both GFCI and AFCI for 125-volt branch circuits, and I know it didn't pass, and and to answer some of these people, and probably maybe some of our listeners are wondering too, is that something that we can look forward to eventually, do you think, where we'll have AFCI and GFCI for our 125-volt branch circuits? Well, I, I guess to answer that question, I, I, I feel like right now there's really been a push on Code Panel 2 to be a little bit more diverse. I think initially, you know, a lot of people on Panel 2 or the representation on Panel 2, it, it just 
it seems like things had moved with the GFCI and the AFCI quite quickly. Obviously, if you remember how we rolled out the AFCI protection, we started in 99, rolled out slowly through, you know, bedrooms and then eventually to the branch circuits and so on and so forth. And I, I think that that was rolled out well. They did a great job, you know, and the technology in the GFCI has obviously been around since the 60s, you know, where it started with pools and, and eventually went into the branch circuits, into the kitchens and, and so on and so forth. And, and you know, that rollout uh, seemingly went well. It, it seems like when we converted to the two-pole, that became a little bit more problematic because we were looking more so at equipment and appliances and different things, you know, bigger appliances, I should say, um, you know, outside of the realm of the household, um, you know, toaster that you plug in on a countertop. And so, you know, there's a lot of things that are going on with compatibility right now in the appliance industry with breaker manufacturers. And same thing here, you know, we're seeing it with HVAC equipment. And I just, you know, in my opinion, some of that stuff could have been vetted a little bit more on the front side by the manufacturers. But that goes back to exactly why when we look at this TIA that was submitted and the reason why the Standards Council flipped was because they felt that the representation on panel two didn't have any HVAC representation that needed to be have some input on this. So I, I think that everybody's realizing that. So do I see it happening? Well, you can, as you know, in this particular cycle in 2023, nothing is happening on, there's going to be a reorganization of 210-12, but nothing is going to change as far as where it's required in a dwelling unit. Um, they expanded it a little bit for bunkhouses for, you know, uh, emergency personnel and things like that. But, but as far as AFCI requirements are not really changing, we're going to see an expansion, obviously, for ground fault, uh, as we see in, it's going to be in 210-8D that's going to expand it to household electric ranges and microwaves and such, but but we'll see where it goes. But I don't see whole house protection happening. In fact, I know when I was in New Ulm, we talked about the fact that it looked like they were going to put a date stamp on requiring it in a garage or in a, or the possibility of putting it in a bathroom. Both of those were in fact defeated and they did not make it into uh, the code at all. So we're going to see that, like I said, the, the residential requirements are pretty much going to stay the same. Perfect. Well, it's nice to hear. Boy, it's, I think this is a blessing to be able to talk to someone who's got so in tune with what's going on. It's the old proverbial talking to the horse's mouth here. That's very nice. I really appreciate that you could make it today, Dean. Uh, in previous presentations, you alluded to a mass change to look forward to in the, the 26 and the 29 code. Could you share with our listeners a little bit about what those changes might be? Yes, and this is brand new also. I have to say that we, uh, as a correlating committee, we've been working on this. We had a, a structures group that was put together, and, and I believe there were six, seven of us that sat on the task group to, to come up with some, some plans as we look ahead, obviously, for the book. And, and here, the reason behind that is, is, you know, that's related to our conversation here is we all recognize the expansion of technology systems in the NEC. And, and with those requirements all being in the back of the book and the confusion of chapter eight standing alone, so to speak, you know, people are confused about, you know, when is it a communication circuit? When is it a class two circuit? So, you know, I think a lot of the structure changes are related to that. The other thing is, is I think everybody that has ever taught the code, or if you've, you know, tried to explain the code or even find items in the code, you know, sometimes the structure of the code is a little bit problematic in, in learning some of those things. So is what we're kind of looking at is, is expanding the code 
you know, from the current nine chapters that exist, it would actually go to 20 chapters, believe it or not. And people are going to start hearing about this. I know the NFPA is going to put together a group. In fact, we have a meeting next Tuesday to talk about how we're going to get it out into the public's hands so that people can criticize it and, and do what we need to do to, to make the document, you know, better. But I think when everybody looks at the structure and you kind of see how it's going to be laid out uh, with, uh, you know, up to a thousand volts, that's going to be your, your limited energy systems. And then it's going to be the, the above thousand volt systems. I think it's going to make sense to people that the layout and the structure, the wiring methods, everything's going to be laid out nicely so that it isn't so hard to find things in the code. Well, I really look forward to that. And it's kind of daunting to hear. 20 chapters, really? <laughs> it's people are going to say, am I going to be responsible for testing on all those? I'll never make it. I'll never get a master license. <laughs> and don't let yours lapse. I'll just tell you that right now. But, you know, really, I think the organization is going to be just spot on for uh, being able to find things. Like you say, I, I've struggled with that. Every person listening, I'm sure, has. And it's something I think we all should look forward to with not fear, but with appreciation that someone really got serious about it, making it easy for us. And that, I think, is worth its weight in gold. Dean, one quick final question here. Uh, the, the 1,000 volts are at 1,000 volt AC and 1,500 DC over that. Why the big thrust to that? This What's going on? Is there something coming we, we don't know about, or is it just some about time? Well, that's a great question. And honestly, Mike, I would say it's about time. You know, I think it, over... You know, a decade ago, we never thought that our electricians would be doing so much medium voltage. When you talk about interconnecting, you know, all of our, all, many of our renewable systems, whether it's large wind or solar, whatever the case is, I know our inspectors in the field have been exposed to it, you know, more in the last five years than they ever have been. And, and you know, consequently, I made a comment about this about three years ago at a, at a meeting, and that's why they threw me on this task group. But this task group also, uh, we started meeting a couple of years ago and, and started coming up with some, some ideas as to how we could implement some of the, the changes to, to move the code in a direction to where we're looking at those systems a little bit more. And, and I think we've done, like I said, it's not perfect right now in the NEC because we're currently under the, the structure we are. But you'll see that, you know, technically there's probably going to be no changes in the 2023 related to these systems, but we're pulling them out to give them articles to stand on their own so we can move them into a technical group that can deal with these changes, ever changes. I, you know, when I first started looking at it, I was a little little surprised and it seemed rather daunting. But the fact that you mentioned you're really not changing it, you're just kind of corralling it in a spot where we can get to it at a better time or at a time when it really starts changing. And, and, I, and I agree with you. I think the awareness is totally, if we're comfortable at low voltage as we know it, you can't get comfortable at anything in this trade and survive. So I, I think it's a good good time to do it. So. Yeah. And just a note on that, you know, a lot of times when we have discussions about about the medium voltage infrastructure, you know, it's it's frustrating for engineers a lot of times because they deal in the NESC realm, right? The National Electrical Safety Code realm, and we're dealing with the NEC. And when they don't correlate or, you know, it's hard for them to coordinate or or to continue with projects because we're looking at two different documents. So again, I think that corralling it in one area, as you said, and and having a technical group analyze that and getting people from the NESC to sit on that panel, it'll direct things in, you know, so that everybody's on the same page. Boy, perfect. 
Well, Dean, I wish we could talk another hour. I think we could do it. This is just fascinating to me, and I'm sure our listeners are going to enjoy hearing all the uh, information you've shared with us today. So, uh, any closing comments for us, Dean? No, again, I, I want to thank you for the opportunity, and I want everybody to know that uh, our door is always open to DLI. You know, if anybody has any questions that they want to bring forth, all my contact information is online. Uh, my whole team is on there, obviously, under the uh, area rep map. So I encourage anybody to, to reach out to our team if they need anything. That's fabulous. Well, Dean, again, uh, I, I wish we could go on farther. So I guess at this point in time, uh, we have to close off another podcast. I'm Mike Miller from the Electrical Association. We hosted Sparkin' Conversations for your listening enjoyment. Today, our guest was Mr. Dean Hunter. I'd like to thank Travis Lennox, our sound engineer, and Katie Grams, our producer, for their efforts to get us going on this thing. Without them, we couldn't do it, and I really appreciate it. So, listen in for additional Sparkin' Conversations at any place you are on the net for your podcasts. This is Mike Miller. Have a great day. Sparkin' Conversations is a production of the Electrical Association. For more information, visit www.electricalassociation.com.